This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Against the better judgment of respectable gentlefolk everywhere, this is the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, England's only poet laureate of the piss pot. This podcast is not for children, the dull-witted and infirm, or the morally indignant. Arthur takes no responsibility, and never has, for damn near anything. Today's episode, an introduction, and a precipitous descent of granite. Cheers! Welcome to this, the first official podcast of me, Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, 16th and 19th century, and until recently, anonymous poet. I'll explain that later. I should like to begin by thanking Nigel Bunshaft for discovering my cachet of writings that I'd hidden beneath the floor of my cottage. It took nearly 450 years to be discovered, but who's complaining? A toast to you, Bunshaft. May you die with your pants around your ankles. For those of you familiar with me and what I shall call, for lack of a better term, my work, hello again. For those of you unfamiliar, welcome. Come on in. Sit down by the fire. But don't touch that. It's been used. Badly. Like a toothbrush at a bluegrass festival. Now, I suppose an introduction is in order. Who am I? Well, I guess I'm a poet. A lesser poet, and yes, I accept that. Perhaps that's because I like to make people laugh in my poetry, and comedic poetry has often disqualified itself from serious acceptance. However, if Aristotle's treatise on the poetics included an entire book devoted to comedy, comedy must have a place in the great eternal library. So, I suppose that makes me a poet-comedian. I'm fine with that as well, and I think that the two make terrific bedfellows. My intention throughout this series is to introduce you not only to some of my own poems, but to marry them with the great works of the English language. Poems, stories, novels, writers that have influenced, delighted, and astounded me in some fashion. Sometimes I write a poem thinking of a specific work by a great author, and sometimes I realize after the fact where my thought process originated, and I enjoy sharing that. I think also I have never been content being a comedian that only elicits laughter. The first objective of any comedian is, of course, to make people laugh. But once that is achieved, what more might one aspire to? Might one use comedy as a way in, a gateway to something illuminating, thoughtful, and surprising? I think so, and if I'm lucky, I might be able to pull that off every once in a while. In order to do that, I will sometimes step away from the character of Arthur to speak as the voice behind the mask, as I am about to do now. Because a question might arise here. Why? Why would anyone become a poet-comedian? Why blend poetry with comedy? Why not just tell a joke prosaically? The simple answer is that I love both. I enjoy a joke that reduces me to tears, and I love being moved by lyrical expression. I grew up listening to my father, who was an English professor for many years, reciting the poems of Dickinson, Whitman, Hardy, Frost, and Wordsworth. I equally worshipped comic figures like Peter Sellers, George Carlin, Jonathan Winters, 
and the Warner Brothers cartoons. The deeper answer is that I don't think that the two occupy vastly different realms. If the true aim of comedy is to amuse, delight, comfort, unite, and perhaps illuminate, can we not say the same of poetry? How many times have you heard someone tell a joke that was badly worded? What disappointment. I can say that I have many times sat in a comedy club and thought to myself, that joke might have been more effective if greater care had been given to the way it was expressed. I think many comedians have had someone come up to them and say words to the effect of, you say what we are all thinking. I disagree with that sentiment. I think that the best comedians and the best poets express ideas that we haven't yet considered, or at least they express them in a wholly unique way. Isn't there a certain rush of delight that we get when we hear something stated surprisingly? It can be startling and euphoric. Consider the scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where the peasant spews forth a wonderfully academic diatribe against the totalitarian state. Poetry abides in the greatest comedic voices and vice versa, and when we hear the perfectly poetically stated sentiment, it inhabits us. When Walt Whitman in Song of Myself declares, what I assume, you shall assume. What is he talking about? Yes, he's speaking of what we accept as truth, but I think he's also acknowledging how we allow poetry to enter and dwell within us in a way that changes us. There's a certain protean shape-shifting that happens within us when we hear great poetry, and really, who can read Yeats's line? All changed, changed utterly, of terrible beauty is born, without feeling that something vital is being expressed. Now then, hmm? What's that? You wish to know my story? Well, you lucky, lucky bastards, I'll be only too charmed to tell you. Um, but first, you are no doubt wondering how a 16th century poet may nevertheless speak to you through a blog. Do I yet live? Or do I speak from beyond the grave? Shall I don a bedsheet and run around the room like a nervous orthodox virgin? I assure you, I am quite dead. To paraphrase old Chuck Dickens, there's no doubt whatever about that. Arthur is as dead as a doornail. Therefore, I must speak from beyond the grave, right? Poppycock. I speak from beyond nothing save the bottom of a beer glass. I am here, I speak. That is enough, I say. Think of it thusly, that I exist in a sort of ever-articulating past. My present is your past, and who should blame the two for enjoying each other's company, right? Quite right. Today's podcast is sponsored by Professor Balthazar Rimlick's exciting and informative new pamphlet, economically titled, A Brief Discourse and Stern Moralistic Warning Against the Unsalubrious Precipitates of Chronic Turpitudinal Masturbation, which should serve as a strict caution to those steadfast youths who would soon suffer such ill effects as fever, ravenous hunger, madness, gout, Blurred vision and nervous disorders, cough, <coughs> coughing, pardon me, available at your local Market Cross. Anyway, without further ado, here is my biography briefly. I, I did not write it, but most of it seems accurate enough. Here we go. <clears throat> See what it says here. Arthur Greenleaf Holmes was born in Dorchester, England, sometime between the years 1547 and 1552. 
the period later to be known as the Gay 90s. He was the eldest of three children. The youngest, Edmund, lost his eyesight at an early age, followed by the loss of his hearing, sense of smell, balance, heat sensitivity, spatial awareness, table manners, and gum line. He died at the age of 13 when he was eaten by a German debate team. Babette, his sister, sank into despair and lunacy and later convinced herself that she was a prime number. She was sent away to a sanitarium after attempting to make herself divisible by two. Strangely, less is known of Arthur's childhood. While his siblings certainly encountered their share of travails, there is very little to suggest that Arthur's experience was especially tragic. Indeed, the most that can be said of his youth is that it was framed by confusion. His father was a wet nurse, and his mother a cowbell. Most of his earliest work, referred to by the scholars as the Juvenalia, takes the form of simple pastorals and flower odes, with an occasional lamentation at what was an extremely late-arriving puberty. Witness the poem, Mother Will My Stones Drop. Arthur enjoyed a brief ascent in popularity and was once received at Queen Elizabeth's court. Shortly thereafter, though, he suddenly disappeared. That is, until the early 19th century, when another Arthur Greenleaf Holmes appeared in the alleyways of Westminster. Another Arthur, it says here. Yes, that always amuses me. Another Arthur. None of this would ever have seen the light of the 21st century had his writings not been discovered by Nigel Bunshaft in 2007. Bunshaft, an English violin maker and handyman, purchased a small Tudor cottage with the intention of restoring it when he discovered the cachet of poems, letters, and journal entries in a small wooden box. He sent the entire collection to a friend who taught English literature at a college in England, and within months, the world of blah, 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 blah. That's enough of my backstory. I suppose you'll want to see some of these poems. Well, so over the course of our journey together, I shall recite them as I feel so inclined. But be warned, I am no feel-good milk toast of a poet. My poetry is decidedly adult in nature. If you tend to shrink from such material, you might want to avoid this podcast. But understand this, I shall never mock or belittle those who find my poetry distasteful. Truth is, we need people like you. Your community relies on upstanding members to bear witness to the worthiness of its residents. So if you leave, leave with pride. Tune in for the next podcast where I will begin reciting some of my poems and some of other great writers as well. Not that I'm one of them. I'm not. I'm a shameful man, but thank you for tuning in. This has been the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. Counselors are standing by for those of you in need of a good talk down. Please send all complaints to the Ministry of Abiding Indifference, whose address we haven't yet gotten around to. Follow Arthur on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your local police blotter, and go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com to find out how you can be responsible for bringing this pervert to an off-Broadway theater. We'll see you next week. Toodles! Hosted on dimlywit.com.